Our Bible studies in the book of Romans continue. We are now in chapter 13. Please listen, follow along in your Bible, Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God and avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing, paid to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. The first thing I see here that I believe needs good emphasis is captured by the single phrase, there is no authority except from God. We have repeatedly used the expression, the sovereignty of God, meaning He is supreme, and He has the right to do anything He wills to do. Another way to speak of this is, there is no authority except from God. God is the Creator. He is the owner of everything, so this truth, once acknowledged by us, enables us to understand everything we need to understand about human authority here on earth. God is above all. There is no authority except from God. If we could just get this message out, if the world would just slow down long enough to take this in, there is no authority except from God. That's fundamental. Once we understand who is at the top of the chain of command, we can understand how we should deal with those here on earth who have some assigned government or law enforcement function. From that truth, we should understand that God ordained God set up the role of government. Preachers used to say, God set up three institutions, the church, the home, and the government. So long as we do not misdefine the word institution, that's correct. God instituted, God set up that there be this system of men governing their fellow men for the purpose of order, peace, and punishment of evildoers. So, knowing this, my position as a Christian should be 
to be subject to the governing authorities. If God sets something up, I cannot just ignore it, impulsively rebel against it, disobey, try to tear it down. I must live with what God has ordained, and I must live with it as He has directed. Now, I will go ahead and say early in this study, there certainly is what we sometimes call the Acts 5.29 exception. The Acts 5.29 exception. When Peter and John were told by the authorities to stop preaching, they said, we cannot. When human authorities or officials tell us to disobey God, we must not obey them in that case. That's the exception. But otherwise, when that exception does not apply, this says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. This submission is submission to that which has been instituted by God. Make a note of this. In John 19, 11, when Pilate told Jesus that he, Pilate, had power to set free or crucify, Jesus said to him that he would have no power at all if it had not been given to him from above. So simple. If God set it up, I must respect it. Verse 2 is a conclusion. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. To know that God instituted civil government and go ahead and resist, disobey, rebel, Paul says people so engaged bring judgment on themselves. This just follows. In verse 1, if that statement is valid, verse 2 just follows. To know that God instituted civil government, but go ahead and resist and disobey and rebel, Paul says those who resist bring judgment upon themselves. It cannot be ignored or slighted that God, the holder of all authority, ordained that there be civil government. We cannot just ignore that or walk around it because of our political or personal agendas. Furthermore, verse 3 adds, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. If you know that God set up civil government and that he approves of the concept of human rule, law enforcement, and you do not resist it, you respect it, there's no need to be afraid. Those who rule pose no threat to those whose lives are marked with good deeds, law-abiding citizen. That's the ideal. It is the one who does evil who should fear the authority. Very simple illustration. If a police officer is driving behind you, you don't need to be nervous about that unless you're in violation of the law. Rebels 
disobedient citizens, criminals, violators of the law ought to be afraid. If good people do what is good, good rulers will not be a threat to them. Verse 4 brings this teaching to a very specific level having to do with the official. For he is God's servant for your good. For if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. One way God can respond to evildoers is through his appointed avengers. If a man robs, murders, rapes, God can get him through his avengers in civil government. And this happens when civil government, law enforcement, and courts do their job. Verse 4 is sort of like putting evil people on notice, but at the same time comforting good citizens. God has a system in place to govern people, to protect the innocent and punish the evildoers. The ruler, the official, serves as an instrument of God for the benefit of society. I'm reminded of Cyrus, the Persian emperor, who God appointed to carry out his will. Cyrus was no perfect man, but God used him to benefit his people. The ruler serves as the agent of God when he acts within the laws of God in his function as a civil servant. Verse 5 is another statement of practical conclusion. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Two reasons to be obedient citizens where you live. One, because of wrath. That is, stay out of trouble, stay out of jail, avoid punishment. Two, for conscience sake, which means because good, compliant citizenship is right before God. We need to know to disobey the laws of the land, except where they contravene the express will of God, is to violate the purpose of God. As Phillips put it, one should obey not simply because it is the safest, but because it is the right thing to do. I'm going to be back in just a second with verses 6 and 7. Verses 6 and 7. For because of this you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So part of what all this means is pay taxes. For the most part, we don't like to do this. We say the system is complicated and cumbersome and we're not pleased with the way politicians use our tax dollars. It seems to us there are more taxes. Some taxes seem to just go on up all the time, and we are disturbed by government waste. So generally, 
We don't like to do this. The tax system in place in the time of Jesus and Paul. Unfair. Oppressive. But what did Jesus and Paul say? Pay your taxes. Let's consider this in terms of another biblical principle. Moses said, Jesus said, and Paul said, the laborer is worthy of his hire. If a police officer goes to work and protects us and takes all the risk involved, he or she should be well paid. The judge, the administrators, the clerks, the people who fix the roads and soldiers who protect us, the laborer is worthy of his hire. We ought to think about that when we pay our taxes. But the primary reason is God said it, taxes to whom taxes are owed. We cannot bring with us into our study of Romans 13 political preference or party loyalty. This passage says one thing, and it says it to Republicans or Democrats, to everyone who wants to understand God's will, no matter where they fall on the political spectrum. And in discussions and applications of this teaching, we must be careful with our issues, our agitations, and our disagreements. This passage has always meant one thing, what Paul wrote then, and it's what it means today. It is not fluid or flexible or to be used by various people in keeping with their political leanings. Someone may say when reading this passage, oh, but we have a bad system today. The government today is corrupt. Well, of course, the government in the time of Paul and Jesus was corrupt. Yet, what is written here applied then, and it applies today. And the purposes of government are outlined here and in the New Testament to punish lawbreakers, to maintain public order, and to promote public good. Another passage you can read, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Thank you for watching this video.